It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. From somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 337 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Greetings. It is December 9th, 2021, and this is Jen. And today I have with me a special guest who many of you might recognize right away. Uh, I have brought with me today Leviathan. Hi, Leviathan. Greetings, everybody. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to have you on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me and inviting me to be on. It's always fun to talk to the community and talk to people that have been, you know, in the Diablo sphere for quite some time because, you know, lots of trips down memory lane and, and always nice to look at what's happening in the present and also the future, too. Exactly. Yes. And, um... You've got a lot going on <laughs> right now mm-hmm. with things. Um, I uh, I noticed that you've got a pinned tweet saying that you're going to be joining Blizzard soon, TM. Yeah, that's a super exciting development. Uh, it's been going on for, well, I guess it depends on when you plant the, the seed of when this all really began. But, you know, I've been trying to work for Blizzard for many, many years. Um, back when they initially opened a community manager position that... Uh, eventually, Tivolier got uh, Blake, who used to work at um, Diablo Inc. Gamers. When that was Inc. Gamers, is like really dating us now back into like 2014 era of Diablo 3. But yeah, I, you know, when I saw those positions pop up and I saw what Brandy was doing with the community and previous to her, Lalera, I was just like, wow, that seems like the job I'd want to do because I love talking, like I just mentioned at the top, I love talking to the community, I love interacting. And that was part of what spurred me to do podcasting and like come on platforms like this. And also stream eventually and make YouTube content. I applied many, many, many times to Blizzard. And I think that's kind of everyone's story who tries for it is that you often have quite a few rejections before you ever even get a foot in the door. It can be deterring for sure. And you can kind of feel like, why do I even try? Should I keep even applying? Um, but you do get encouraged by the people that you make inroads with and contacts with. And they kind of tell you, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. There will be opportunities and obviously, we're in a very interesting time for Blizzard at the moment, which we may dig into. But it felt like a good opportunity. Um, I was reached out by some people that already worked at Blizzard to say, hey, we have positions that are coming up. You know, especially with COVID, I feel like there are so many. I was just reading something yesterday that said like 4.2 million people like quit their jobs in October. And there's like 11 million positions open or something like that, like a crazy gulf wow. of people like needing people to work and people not wanting to work. So mm-hmm. it's a, if at any point there were opportunities to try to grab dream jobs, I would say maybe now is the time to really dig in and go for it. And that, you know, the short version of the story is that's kind of what happened for me. I was just like, all right, here's an opportunity. I would give it a shot. And it worked out. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you. Thank <laughs> you. you. Know, I know how much <laughs> this means to you. And so I just wanted to let you talk about that here, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm I'm just over the moon. It still doesn't feel real because I haven't started yet um, as we're recording this. And I don't really know what to expect. Like, I, I really am excited to just see the inner workings. You know, as a player and as a fan, you have all these speculations on what's going on inside Blizzard and, you know, why they made certain decisions for Diablo and announcements and stuff. And I'll actually be 
getting the answer to those, but then can't share with anyone. So it's almost right. like the, um, oh. <laughs> the gift and a curse of like, yes, I can finally know, but then I can't really like share it. Like, guys, we were right on, you know, this or wrong oh. on this and here's why. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be tough, but you'll get there, you know, it'll be yeah, normal sure. after a while, I'm sure, you know, and it is interesting what you brought up about, you know, people not wanting to work, that kind of thing, and all these people resigning or walking off their jobs or stuff like that. And I've been reading, I read a lot on Twitter about, like, what's going on in the world right now, you know, <laughs> and uh, I try to pick good sources. And some reporters, I guess, uh, feel like if you were a person who worked through the pandemic primarily uh, off-site, you know, through Skype or through Zoom or through whatever, and... You've had the opportunity to kind of feel what it's like to not have to make the commute, you know, and to, you know, whatever else changed between being at your office or, you know, and then after. Uh, there's a lot of people, I think, who had the time because they weren't commuting or whatever to kind of rethink what's going on with my life. What do I want? What don't I want? What's good for my family? And I think people made different choices after that. You're 100% right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think when I was looking back at 2020, and I, I do a lot of reflecting because I am a person that likes to kind of think about, you know, where I've been to inform where I'm at and where I want to go next. I like to be driven by goals quite a bit. And in 2020, there was just so much silence, I found. When I was in my apartment, you know, we did a very solid work from home period. They tried to go back into the office. And this is at my previous job mm -hmm. of um, just working at like a small business doing legal stuff. Uh, we tried to go back into office a few times, but then COVID was, you know, still ongoing and spiking back up and variants and things like that. So we would always end up working from home again. And I just noticed that, like, you know, you were getting pings from coworkers, like you mentioned, Zoom meetings and stuff. But a lot of the time was really just entertaining yourself with like, you know, a lot more Netflix than usual, or just even, you know, kind of sitting and crunching away at the work, but then, you know, really having time to reflect on stuff. And when I was thinking about it, I, it really gave me pause to figure out like, what do I want? You know, when we come out of this, right, it was always this idea of like, the world is going to open back up again. And what opportunities are going to be there to grab? Like, what do I want to keep from this time of isolation and, and reflection? And thinking about like the more insular, the more like introverted uh, sense of self, but then also like, what do I want to really like grab a hold of and be grateful for in terms of like being able to go see friends again, being able to go to concerts, like all these different opportunities. And I think you're just seeing that in kind of ripple out for everybody mm -hmm. to some degree where they're saying, oh, you know, it's kind of nice to be my own boss or set my own hours or wake up whenever I want to not have to, like you said, deal with the commute, right. deal with the office, politics, things like that. So mm -hmm. I, I do feel like there are silver linings. Obviously, no one wants a pandemic, but there are silver linings that have come out of this that I think will change the way people work and look at kind of their own life setups for, for good. Looking at the younger generations and what they're tweeting basically on Twitter and stuff like that. There's been a lot of people who worked not in an office, but maybe in retail, uh, you know, maybe in grocery stores, maybe as like bartenders or things like that, um, servers, you know, stuff like that, who aren't getting paid very well. Mm. And weren't getting paid very well, like depending on where you live. And I'm just thinking United States because that's what I know the best. Some of these people were being paid by tips mostly, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And as the pandemic rolled on and they had that time for the introspe introspection that you were mentioning, a lot of them kind of went, 
I need something better than this. Some of these people have posted screenshots of like text messaging where their boss contacts them at the last minute mm. and expects them to come in right now. There was one that I remember, and I don't remember who tweeted this, but the uh, person worked at a bar, was a bartender, and at like really early in the morning, the boss sent them a text message saying, hey, we need you to come in. And the person said, no, we've already arranged that this is my day off. I was drinking last night. You don't want me to be a drunk bartender. You need to get someone else for this. And the boss said, well, no one else is available, so you have to come in and do this. And the person said, I'm not coming in. I quit. Wow. And I've seen this pattern with people who decided to post those things. So I think... As you know, we were talking about sort of looking differently at work because of the pandemic or as a result of the pandemic. I think the younger generations are going to lead us into a better world with that. Yeah, I almost look at it as like the great reset in a way. Mm -hmm. Like you could say that this is probably coming to some to in some form or fashion within the next few or decade of years. Mm -hmm. But if anything, the pandemic just sped it all up, right? It gave a lot of time for, like we just mentioned, everything to settle down right. and be kind of still. And now we have a lot of upheaval. And I think it's I think it's good, ultimately, because it should lead, like you were just saying, to better working conditions, or at least people like valuing themselves better, uh, fighting for better worker rights right. and things like that, which is another um, kind of big theme that we're seeing, especially in game dev at the mm -hmm. moment. And as somebody that's just switching into the, like, you know, my whole background, has been legal for over a decade and I'm switching into game dev. And so just coming in at this moment of kind of like upheaval and things, you know, people vying for a lot of change and change in the right direction. It's, it's scary because it's like, holy moly, there's a lot of turmoil. It's turbulent. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's really exciting too, because you kind of be on the forefront of like, okay, if things are at their lowest, maybe, or at really bad points, it can only hopefully go up from here and you'll be able to kind of be within the groundswell of here's a lot of positive change and things. And I've always tried to be a very positive oriented person. So I'm hoping that like, you know, I can also do my part as well coming in. I think you're going to do really good. I, you know, I believe there are good people at Blizzard that are working behind the scenes and that are making games for people that games that they love and that they want people to love that kind of thing. And, you know, we've seen, I'm not going to go into a lot of this, but we've seen people be very supportive of like the walkouts and trying to make things better, you know, mm -hmm. and that's a good sign as far as like who you'll be working with, you know, definitely. Yeah. So I think that's, that's, I think it's going to be a good place. And I think, you know, I, there's been people coming in and people coming out of blizzard that tweet about it. And I don't keep track, you know, but mm -hmm. um, I love seeing happy people standing in front of the orc statue going, this is my turn, you know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like a time honor tradition. It is. It is. It's really neat. And then you'll be um, at, at looking at your tweet with the orc statue. You'll be moving to California soon, TM? I keep uh, forgetting that that's a part of it because, you know, like we've been talking mm -hmm. about, we're still in the midst of the pandemic. Right. So everything is still kind of the same uh, in terms of work from home. Mm -hmm. And I'm not exactly sure when I'll be making that move, but it is an anticipated part of it. Like I am brought on as a California employee. So at some point I will be living within that state. And it's really exciting to me because I, I haven't really said this publicly, but when I was a high schooler, many, many, many moons ago now. Mm -hmm. One of my big dreams was actually to go to California. I was looking at like USC and Stanford and schools like that out on the West Coast. And my mom was so vehemently against it because I was going to be the first person in our family to go to college. And I think she just had a bit of trepidation over, you know, is my my like baby going to go so far away where I can't support him and like, you Aww. know, be there as a crutch? 
I'm thinking this is in her head and I'm just thinking as me, like I need to like expand and get away and be independent. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she kind of shot that down, which was a bummer for me at the time because I really did just love the California like ethos of what I knew of it. I'd never been to California, but I just kind of felt Mm -hmm. it vibed with my personality a bit more because New England is just so I love it. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I love the seasons out here, but I feel like the people can kind of be not as friendly or at least very like I'm getting from A to B. Don't interrupt me. Mm, You know, I got to get I got to do what I got to do for me. Whereas like I like more of a slower pace and a slower vibe. And I'm certainly like I try to style myself as very friendly and and extroverted. So I don't know. I don't know if I'll find that in California, but I kind of idealize it in a way that it just feels like it should be a nice change of pace. Because all I've known is I've lived in Connecticut and then that was like, you know, from age whatever to 18 and then i went to college in massachusetts ultimately Mm -hmm. and then moved to massachusetts a year after i graduated so i've only known these two states in new england and i've visited other people in like the midwest and and down south and i've been to obviously bliss cons and things so got a little west coast flavor but it's gonna be cool to live out there i i've heard it's very expensive so that part scares me a little it is it can be uh depending on where you're living and uh, that sort of thing it it can be um, Sean and I were born and grew up in Illinois and we moved here because he had family here and mm. I just couldn't stand driving in the snow anymore, honestly. And <laughs> it, it's just, uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, um, we moved to California and at the time I was working for a big chain bookstore and my job transferred. So I was like, okay, we're coming uh. in with the job. One of the first things I noticed when I switched from working in Illinois to working in California at the same company is the people were a lot more laid back Mm. just overall, you know, and for the most part, I mean, there were times where it's like, you know, Christmas season retail is bad, you know, but no matter where you are, are, (laughs) but the people were very like inviting and um, nice and you know, where are you from? Because I have a Chicago accent that I suppress for the most part. And um, so they figured, okay, you're from Chicagoland area and all that. And I have relatives that have lived there that have the accent. I grew up with the accent, didn't know I had it, you know? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, when I got to California and I started working at Barnes & Noble, I had the accent still because I didn't have any reason to change it, you know? And right. uh, some, you know, I was working really early in the morning and with people that were younger than me for the most part, a few that were you know, managers that were a bit older. And when I'd ask questions about things, they did not understand me because of my no accent. Way. And we had, <laughs> we had a guy that was uh, there that was from Indiana so he was translating for me, and I'm like, I got to suppress this. You know, I got to, like, stop the accent for a while. That's <laughs> you know? too funny. Yeah, but, like, I remember, you know, when I was working at the same, you know, chain bookstore in Illinois, it was like, you know, you had to clock in at exactly the right second, or you'd have some manager yell at you. And when I got here, it was a lot more laid back. It's like, oh, you're supposed to clock in at 9 a.m., and it's 9.02. That's good. You know, that kind of right, thing. Right, right. And the people are more relaxed about wanting to talk to you. They're friendlier. I think it has to do with the weather, honestly. That's what I was going to say, is I really feel like, um, you know, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. You just were talking mm-hmm. about the, you know, Illinois um, winters yeah. and the Midwest and the Northeast are, you know, epically known for their crazy snowstorms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times, like as soon as we hit daylight savings and it gets darker early and darker in the morning, mm. 
like the mood shifts. I feel people really do react, you know, to it in wild and different ways. Mm -hmm. But for me, I know it makes me far more like introverted. It makes me kind of like more, I don't know. I feel like I, my emotions kind of get dampened a bit and I don't feel as like, you know, alive really when it's as dark as it is and as cold as it is. Mm -hmm. So I know that for me, I react really well to just, you know, consistently good weather, mm -hmm. like in the summertime and the fall here and stuff. I flourish a lot more and I go for more runs and things. So I'm hoping that that aspect will be a big um, quality of life improvement when when moving to California. It should be. I know there's a lot of people that, you know, I, I kind of stay home a lot because I have chronic illnesses, you know. Uh, and it's a pandemic, so, you know. Um, and when I do go outside, like, to go for a walk or to go to get health care, that kind of stuff, there's always people, like, jogging down the sidewalks, stuff like that here. So you'll see awesome. you'll see others, at least where I am. You know, it depends on where you're at. If you're in the middle of a big city, I don't know, but I'm in a small town, kind of. Kind of. Right. <laughs> kind of. So um, it's very different here. It really is. Like, the foods are different. Like, there's nothing like a Chicago-style hot dog. Right, you're not going to find that anywhere else. Yeah, you get here and it's like, you have fish tacos, what, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, it's it's totally different in terms of that. And I feel like, you know, there are fast food places here. The town I'm in limits it somewhat and does not want drive throughs for some reason that uh, I don't even sure. know, you know. But there's a lot of variety of stuff. And I, I feel like a lot of it is sort of aiming kind of towards healthy-ish, you know. Mm, that's good. So you can find good things here as far as that. But the, um, the thing that might be tricky when you move in is that housing is really expensive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware. Uh, it's pretty bad here, too, to be honest. Mm -hmm. In Massachusetts, um, renting prices have just always been increasing and oh, wow. pretty rapidly in recent years, too. Like even um, last year, you would think, you know, in the pandemic, maybe it wouldn't be, you know, people would kind of try to free stuff out or, you know, not make it, you know, hurt the wallet more. But I actually had a rent increase at my apartment last year. And oh. I was just like, wow, it's and you kind of get it, though, right? Because the ripples, you know, it's not like the landlord isn't also probably feeling some effect on their you know, ability to gain money and stuff too. So it kind of all rolls downhill. Mm -hmm. But just in general, looking at apartments here and apartments there and things like it's certainly more expensive in California, but it's certainly if you're especially if you're trying to live in more of the popular areas like greater Boston or um, like in some of the nicer suburbs that are further out, it's still you're in like the 2000s for one bedrooms and things like that. Wow. So it's it's a crazy time to just <laughs> want, you know, general living conditions right. if you want them to. Right. You got to pay for it. Yeah, there's California has some initiatives that they've uh, gotten through the legislature and the governor that is trying very hard to ensure that there are there is low income housing and uh, there's all these regulations on okay so you're putting up a whole bunch of condos well you have to have X number be you know available to people that are you know low income or something like uh, that they're, they're trying right. it's just starting though. So <laughs> it's going to be gonna a take bit. Some time. Yeah, it's going to be a bit, but I mean, I'm hoping it'll make things better, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, I was kind of talking to some people that also live out there too, and obviously that work at Blizzard. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you kind of rationalize it, we were just talking about the weather. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, you know, they're, the quality of life that you improve on, you kind of pay for, right? So it's like nothing comes for free, right. essentially. Yeah. So you're going to be living in like a nicer climate mm -hmm. and, probably with good amenities and things like that. So therefore, 
it, it doesn't necessarily justify that things are cr- as expense crazily expensive as they are but True. to some degree kind of wrap your head around it so i don't know uh, hopefully it all works out because you know i'm not the first person to do this right, right. So <laughs> other others have figured it out so i'm mm-hmm. sure i'll line up with them and, and in general too i just try to be an embracer of change because things always change and so whether you're uh, ready for it or not or resistant to it i feel like you have to at some point go through change and you might as well try to be someone that it rolls with it rather than is trying to fight it yeah i think that's a good way to look at it it just makes things a lot easier you know in general anyway the weather here as far as the weather here like we're kind of on the coast not close enough to walk to a beach but um you know kind of on the coast and for the most part the weather where we are living um is pretty good most of the time you know, um, you don't get a lot of rain anywhere in California. <laughs> when it does, it's um, very badly needed because we have a state that goes through droughts. There will be parts of the state on fire when you get here. If you're working indoors and you know you've got a decent structure around you, you probably won't have to worry too much about the smoke coming in. But there are days where you'll get smoke warnings on your phone if you're looking at the weather. You know. <laughs> Yeah, that's like so that. crazy it's, yeah. it's stuff that like you know i i can recall like because so much of my twitter is you know obviously a lot of game game people mm-hmm. and blizzard and stuff like i can recall when there's earthquake days mm-hmm. or like smoke days people are just constantly tweeting about it but it's always been oh that's happening over there you know right and now it'll be my reality so it's kind of strange to just think oh yeah how am i going to handle that when that's actually a thing that i'm you know having to deal with right up in front and center trade it trade the like freezing rain uh, alerts i guess for smoke alerts and things and speaking of the rain that's another thing when i got here like i have noticed that when it is rainy people forget how to drive oh yeah mm-hmm. that still even happens here and you know it's not like it's an uncommon event mm-hmm. we get plenty of rain plenty of snow but you'll see so many accidents and highways just slow to a crawl i mean that's what should happen you know you shouldn't drive as fast in uh inclement conditions right. as it is when it's normal but it's still kind of surprising when you just see the insanity that occurs sometimes ideally maybe the people who you've contacted that already work at blizzard can blizzard can give you advice about you know housing and stuff like that oh yeah well and it's interesting too because everyone has their own experience and Mm -hmm. and their own um ideas on which places make the most sense and you know certain brackets of people that are like oh well this you know amount of money isn't that bad whereas someone's like oh that's way too expensive don't go there so you're getting like all you have to basically like cross-reference all the different advice (laughs) into like an average if you will Mm -hmm. um but everyone's been very willing to be helpful and i hear there are lots of resources for people so like once you're actually part of the organization so that's pretty cool um and what's most exciting to me though is just the ability to one thing that I've always lamented living out here, and maybe it's my own fault that I haven't explored as much, but it just felt that I never found my people, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of the gamers that I interact with have often just been online through Discord or in-game, things like that, and not really in person. Mm-hmm. But to obviously work at a place that is concerned with making games, I think it'll be really fun and interesting to kind of have at my disposal a bunch of people that are like-minded mm-hmm. in that in that particular interest and you know maybe maybe be able to develop like a great network of friends because i've never played like a dungeons and dragons campaign or anything because i just never have had the people like in person to do and i was like "Eh, it would be cool so it could be like crazy new experiences that 
feel like should be quintessential gamer type mm -hmm. things, you know, if you're really diving into it. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm excited for all the different um, potentials, the prospects. I think I think you're going to have a lot of fun just geeking out with everyone over all the cool stuff at Blizzard. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as far as Dungeons and Dragons, you can play it online with a True. group of people. I've got a good group of people that I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons with for quite some time and we go through Discord and uh, D&D Beyond and stuff like that and, and uh, it's been fun. It's been really fun. Two of them I met at person at a BlizzCon one year. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool because one of them lives in Scotland and had come to help out the Con Before the Storm. Yep. And the other one lived in Florida and we actually got to hang out in person and drink at BlizzCon. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the great part about it. It's like a homecoming, you know? It is, yeah. You see so many people and, and stuff like that. and It was really neat. The last one I was at was, I want to say 2018. Mm. Yeah. It makes you wonder if we'll have them again. Because now that, you know, obviously the pandemic kind of presents you with no ability to have an in-person event. Mm -hmm. But it felt like in the last announcement where we learned that there wouldn't be a blitz, even an online one next year. Mm -hmm. um, it sounded like they were thinking about how they were going to revamp the whole event to begin with. And it makes me wonder, does that mean like not having one anymore? Does it mean like downscaling it? Like, I'm kind of curious if. You know the nature of because we were talking about right like how things ha are what's going to happen once we come out of the pandemic right. and all the isolation and stuff it makes me wonder are people going to look at live events differently too or are there going to be less of them because people have realized you can do things online you know not as maybe in a detrimental way as people probably thought it would be previous to this mm -hmm. it depends on like you know i have a really good crowd of people to play D, &D with online you know <laughs> it just depends right. yeah but I do think that the last BlizzCon was BlizzCon line that you and I kind of talked about on Warcraft Radio, mm -hmm. you know, and that was, that was fun. fun. <laughs> that was really fun. It was really good. Yeah, and I went into that with like so much imposter syndrome because I'm like, I don't know as much as most of these other Diablo people, <laughs> you know. But that's always the great part is everyone, and it's kind of been a theme of our conversation so far, but like everybody brings their own, you know, unique perspective. And I think to have a room that's crowded with too many like know-it-alls or whatever, mm -hmm. right? like elite people or, you know, and on the other side, especially if you have too many people that are like not as informed, then you're going to come out with a very t specific type of conversation. But when you have those mixes of voices, I think it's super important to diversify the pool like you were just talking mm -hmm. about previously as well, because you're going to get so many different walks of life and people that are going to look at the exact same information you saw. We saw the same trailer, the mm -hmm. same reveal. And you could key in on something completely different that someone who's only looking for like battles and min maxing and things might completely miss right. on, like a lower yeah, level or something, sort of right? That makes sense, yeah. And I mean, I got comfortable with it after a while, but I think Roe invited me to come in and talk about Diablo and said that, you know, I would be working with you. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that'd be great, you know. Um, and I think, I mean, we had fun, you know, I think we had fun doing it. And there was a lot of definitely. I don't remember specifically because it's been a bit, you know, but I think we kind of did pick out like different things and to point out and stuff like that. So that was kind of neat. And I remember at the time, I think I don't remember how it started, but I think we were talking a bit about like, okay, if, if BlizzCon line is going to be the thing throughout the pandemic, you know, could they do something different with BlizzCon, like maybe smaller events or something like that? You mm. know, and now it looks like they've decided that's not going to be a thing because, as you said, there's still a pandemic. And I I keep seeing people that, like, post they're going to some concert or something and then they 
post that they feel sick and then they have COVID and have to quarantine for however long, you know? Right. That's the risk you're taking. But I think the other thing is that, as you've said earlier in this episode here, there's a lot of turmoil going on regarding Blizzard. So, yeah, yeah, like if I were, you know, a high up at Blizzard that could make the types of decisions that would have to be made for BlizzCon. And obviously I am not that person, you know, (laughs) I'm not working there or anything. (laughs) But um, I think part of it would be me going, okay, the fans really love this. Is there any way we could make this safe? And if there was an answer, yes, you do this and this and this. Okay, cool. The next thing you got to think about is there's a lot of people that aren't really happy with some things that have been happening at Blizzard, Activision, Blizzard King. And um, although I haven't Mm -hmm. heard anything from King, so I guess Activision, Blizzard, but um, that may show up and be disruptive. Yeah, it's tough. I I have to imagine it's a totality of circumstances Mm. that the decision isn't being made on just one facet. But there is because if you even I mean, you talked about already, Mm -hmm. but like. You know, I've been looking at concerts because I love concerts. Mm-hmm. I love going to live shows. And I actually bought tickets to one um, this past September. But I actually, the, literally the night of, I was feeling sick. So I was like, ah, oh, I should risk it. And yeah, I didn't go. Yeah. Um, I think that's a decision a lot of people have to make at this point. It's like, okay, how safe do you feel, you know, whether you're vaccinated or not. And whether you know other people will be vaccinated or not. And you have some events that are like checking cards mm-hmm. and things. But you have card falsification and it's just so many different it's layers to a this lot. Stuff, right? that's what scares me like the last concert sean and i went to was to see the who at the hollywood ball it was before the pandemic had really been part of our world and awareness and constant you know thinking about that's the last concert we went to yeah i don't think i think i'd maybe gone to one in 2019 or if, if not then for sure in 2018 but it was one of those things i was hoping to get back to in 2020 mm-hmm. it was literally on my like list of like here's what i want to try to do more of in this year and then you know, you make a plan and God laughs, as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's kind of where that went. But yeah, and to get back to the other side of the, the point was, I also do feel like it's very hard to have a an event for fans, kind of like by fans in the community, if your community is not super happy with you and the decisions that are being made at the top. Right. So it would have kind of been disingenuous to say, oh, yeah, we love our fans. We love our community. We're going to make this event for you. Because and like you mentioned, too, it's not everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are certain actors within the company that are making bad decisions mm-hmm. and you have to root that out. Like, I'm glad everything is coming to light because the only way that change can really happen is to see what the problems are on the t- like have all the cards on the table. Right, right. Um, so I feel like you almost need again with the idea of like the pandemic really causing this big break or pause you kind of need that to now say here's all the things that are wrong it's all laid out in front of us let's also stop like pretending that everything's okay and going to these events and stuff get rid of all that and wait until we can actually kind of fix some of these systemic issues and then come back and you know you can almost have it be like a celebration of like, hey, there's actual change we're making. And now let's also have a BlizzCon to show that like we're kind of healed and, you know, not fractured anymore. Right. I think that would be a good thing. I think people are going to look forward to that sort of thing, you know, yeah. sometime after the pandemic is, uh, I want to say over. <laughs> you know? Over-ish. Over-ish, <laughs> you know, over for people with not bad immune systems, you know, that kind of stuff. But. Hey. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. And I was also thinking like, okay, so let's say they decided to heck with this. We're going to do a BlizzCon, okay? Live, in person, no changes from before. I think people will get sick for one thing. But the other thing is, what are they going to present 
because we've got, you know, from the Diablo perspective, we've got Diablo 2 resurrected out. We've got, you know, some exciting stuff coming for season 25 of Diablo 3. We've got, um, you know, a Diablo Immortal maybe coming soon because it's been like alpha tested or beta tested or something, you know. So there's that and everyone's looking for D4. And I know that's been sort of paused, like not forever, but like, right. yeah. And I think Overwatch 2 was kind of same situation so like what are they going to announce to the fans i feel like we kind of face that problem every year too in thinking like okay what is on the table because for so many years like going back to 2018 mm -hmm. that was the reveal of immortal mm -hmm. and we were hoping for d4 news right and i think overwatch 2 might have been that year as well or maybe it was next year in 2019 but there's always been this idea that blizzard hasn't been delivering a ton of releases and one of the kind of like as you were watching the quarterly calls and mm -hmm. things like that where they talk to the investors about the progress of the company there's always been this push for we need to deliver more products so there's going to be like more expansions and blizzard is developing as many games as they've ever developed at one time um, but we hadn't really been seeing kind of the fruits of those labors yet mm -hmm. and so i don't know i hope that i hope they have some grand scheme of like making sure the quality is still high because we've also seen some releases where it feels like they're kind of just getting them out like i'm looking at mercenaries mode mm -hmm. in hearthstone that kind of fell flat when it released the warcraft 3 remaster was not well received um d2r i think did relatively well but the the actual like servers and release that was kind of not great yeah and so we're seeing and, and it's not um blizzard that's insulated from into this issue as well like we're like cyberpunk came out and that wasn't great either right. new world came out and that that's having problems <laughs> that's yeah, having so. problems i've seen people like i've read news articles that people point out because they're frustrated with the problems and one of them had something to the effect of saying that there are bots mining everything all the resources it's it, yeah, yeah all these games. like space, oh these my gosh issues. you know it's wild yeah it's so, so it's hard strange. to release a game and i think you know, a lot of it does get pointed back to, well, we're trying to release games in the middle of a pandemic, things like that. So there is some of that to blame it on. But at the same time, I think that, you know, there's always this push that each year has to be better than the last year in terms of like revenue and income and stuff. And it's not like Blizzard's doing bad when you look at their sheets, mm -hmm. like they've been making great money. Like COD, you know, Call of Duty is doing well for them year after year after mm -hmm, year. Right, right. Uh, that's obviously just one arm of Activision Blizzard King. So I don't know. It when I look at just BlizzCon in its own kind of bubble, it has been a place where announcements have been delivered, but also one of the things that I feel like the community managers have tried to impress is that it's also just a fan event. Mm -hmm. So, like, we they want exciting reveals to happen there, but there's also times where, like, maybe there won't be some and they just hold the event because it's a good, like, you know, you were just talking about, right. like, being able to meet friends from far distances mm -hmm. and stuff, that mutual meeting place. That being said, though, I do feel like there should be something for us like we haven't demoed d4 since the actual reveal of it and we saw the rogue get revealed at blizzcon line earlier this year so it's like we haven't gotten a chance to actually touch it hopefully there right. was be a, like if there was an in-person convention we get to at least demo that if there's a reveal of the next class there's something that could be done there at least more areas of the game we can see immortal is supposed to come out next year so that could also be something that like we get more like the finite details of all of that and the plan for re uh, releasing it and that's at least just Diablo World, you know, WoW is always going to do its thing, expansions, Hearthstone's always going to have more cards, and Overwatch 2 is supposed to still be a thing, so. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's one way to look at it. Yeah, I remember, though, like, the day that they announced Diablo Immortal, 
And, well, we all know, you know, the pushback that had at the time. And now everybody's like, can I get in the game? I want to be in the alpha. I want to be in the beta. You know, it's just surprising how much that's changed. But I remember at the event, I came back for, like, the lore, you know, panel or whatever. And um, Mm -hmm. I remember that uh, one of the guys on the stage was talking about a Demon Hunter character that was an NPC that was going to be, like, helping you through something and find lore and stuff like that. And it sounded like... Like, to my ears, it sounded like they said the characters named something like Chen or something like that. And, you know, I'm, like, on the phone talking in my disc, talking in the Shattered Soulstone Discord about what I'm seeing and stuff like that. And, like, it starts blowing up because everybody thinks they said Jen. I'm like, there's no way, guys, you know? <laughs> there's just no way they're naming that after me. Why would they do that? There's no way, you know? And they just kept going. I'm like, okay, fine. So one of the nights that people go to both the bars and stuff, and Wyatt Chang was talking to a group of people, and I just, like, stood there because I wanted to ask him about that specifically. And I said, okay, so people in that, you know, are part of Shattered Soulstone in some way think you said Jen I need to know if that's true because I'm going to be asked this a lot <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he said and he was just so polite about this and he said I'm sorry to disappoint you but no the character is not named Jen and I'm like okay <laughs> and he's like I'm really sorry to disappoint you I'm like oh no you don't owe me a character I just need I need something official so I can tell them no it's not me <laughs> you know right <laughs> yeah but it, that was like a neat little experience that you can't get in like BlizzCon line, you know? Yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there that we do lose kind of those like ad hoc moments of being able to just like randomly talk to a developer mm-hmm. or, you know, just conversations because uh, and that actually is a great point um, now that I think more about it, too, because the everything's kind of pre-recorded when it comes to BlizzCon line, mm-hmm. right? It's these very pristine presentations like rehearse. There's no real like delivery of the. Uh, the event or anything like that it's kind of just like press play on it and so there's there's less room for misinterpretation which i guess can view as a good thing but it also removes like a fun story like that right Mm -hmm. or like an exciting moment like did you hear this i heard it this way like we all just can go back and watch the vod when it's happening online so yeah it it definitely changes the the way that the event is experienced for sure yeah it's it's different it's weird it's i don't know i think the world is changing in so many ways though right now because of the pandemic yeah, and, like, the whole, like, people resigning from terrible jobs that aren't paying well enough with horrible bosses, that's a thing that you, we haven't seen at this level. Put the, put all this together, and I think you're joining Blizzard at a really interesting time in history. To say the least, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm game for it, though. I, you know, it's definitely something I threw around um, as I was going through the process and then eventually getting the offer it wasn't it, it's kind of weird because I was talking to uh, Nineball about it and I was saying, you know, if this were like five years ago, there wouldn't even be a question. It'd just be like, yes, take the offer. Like, yes, go and do it. But obviously with all the extenuating circumstances mm-hmm. and the fact that it is a big life change and everything at this moment in particular, it's like there are a lot more considerations, which is just so funny because it's always been a dream job. And it's always been like if it was ever a possibility, I would 100 percent do it. But we actually found a way that it could be less than 100 percent. We actually have to think about it a little bit before taking that jump. But you know, ultimately, I like to believe that, you know, a lot of stuff happens for a reason and you have control over as much as you have control over. So you kind of just have to go in with, you know, the the mindset to succeed and hope that what you'll be able to bring to a new project or an organization or whatever have you is going to be something of good value and make a difference for people. And that's what I'm really, truly excited about. Like, I feel like the jobs I've worked in the past, I've been able to have some 
ability to help others, but not nearly to the scope that I want. And I think this could really, really uh, finally help me def- like get to the the level of scope that I've really been hoping for, like touching millions of people and in a way that I know I benefited from when I was a kid in you know, high school playing D2 and mm-hmm. sneaking to play it at night. Like I can imagine <laughs> like some you know, D5 or something down the road and I like get to make a really life-changing system or I don't know, item or something. Someone might remember that and take that with them for the next 20 years. And that's really cool, the possibility for that to happen. That's amazing. I hope that works out that way for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's cool to be looking so far in the future already and you're you're not quite in the door yet, but you kind of are, you know? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm a dreamer. <laughs> I mean, that's good. You know, it's better than being like afraid yeah you know it's better to find the positives especially if you're when you're making a big life change that moves you across the country (laughs) which we kind of did you know but yeah i think that's i think that's cool i just want to uh break in for a second and just say that d uh d5 confirmed (laughs) (laughs) breaking news here on shattered soulstone you heard it here first You know, but you don't know how long it's going to take together. It could have D4.1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, eight, you know? Soon, People TM. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. But since we're talking a bit about the Diablo games right now, um, I started with Diablo 1 when it was new, way back in the day. Nice. And that was the first video game that I started playing after I was done with work and then realized the sun was coming up multiple times, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Um and I mean that you know the story people tell about the first time the butcher comes rushing out that door at you, you know, that is terrifying. That was terrifying at the time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, it really was like we all got scared you know it was great um, I played a little bit of D2 at the time but my computer was uh, a Frankenstein of parts from scaven- scavenged from friends IT departments at the time when you could do that and uh, it just didn't run so my first experience with D2 was on a Xbox um, and then there's D3 which started um, shortly after Shattered Soulstone started recording right yeah that was really neat. I remember we were waiting on like a beta key. You know, the four of us hosts, we were, you know, me and Nevik and Brasia and Antonio. We were all like waiting on the keys, you know. And when we got one, we were just so excited, you know, about that. And I'd like to see that kind of excitement. Like, I think it's happening with Diablo Immortal now, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. When D4 hits and has like an alpha or a beta or whatever, I think people are going to have that same excitement. Yeah, that's something I'm leaning on heavily as just a fan of the series and also like someone that's going to be a stakeholder in it now, too, mm-hmm. is that return to kind of the anticipation and excitement. Because it's fair to say that like the D3 community over the years has regained some of its, you know, uh, groundswell. But mm-hmm. we certainly lost a lot of ground um, with the release of D3 and just the way it was kind of not accepted by the community Right. Between the issues with Era 37 and the auction house and everything, right? <laughs> there were a lot of early decisions we had to recover from. Right, right. Um, And then POE has certainly come in and taken a lot of the ARPG landscape. So now there's, you know, and I think it's fair, like a lot of doubts about how good D4 can be and things like that. But I think a lot of people want to see it succeed and they mm-hmm. want to be a part of the hype train as it builds up. And as we get more access to the game, we want to see there be good decisions being made with it. So I'm with you. Like, I hope yeah. that. As those betas and alphas roll out, we see a lot of that, like, you know, just influx of crazy content and videos and excitement and pod, like more podcasts, mm-hmm. pop up things like that'd be so great. 
Yeah, there's like a small handful of Diablo-based podcasts. You know, yeah, sadly. Just a small yeah. amount. Um, I think we lost a couple along the way, like early on or something. But like Shattered Soulstone started in 2011, and we were we have been using the music from D2 because D3 wasn't out yet. <laughs> and um, kind of reminiscing about that sort of stuff and uh, trying to keep track of you know news about when's D3 coming out and stuff like that. And you know, that's, that's how old this show is right now. Um, and then um, in a Westmarch workshop, you're a part of that. Nineball's a part of that. That's right. rolling on. Um, cool Story Bro just put out an episode. I saw that. Yeah, I haven't yeah. had a chance to listen to it yet, but I will. Um, yeah, you know, so I th- those, I mean, they keep like, there's like some core podcasts to go to if you're really into the Diablo games. But I'd love to see more. Yeah, always. Whenever I, you know, you were just talking about how we got invited to the Warcraft Radio for mm-hmm. earlier this year. Yeah. And I just always am so kind of blown away at how many friggin' WoW podcasts there are. Mm-hmm. There's like one for every, like for every spec that you can play as like a, you know, a mage or a hunter or whatever. Then there's like one for like, if you like lore, there's one for if you like this dungeon. There's one for if you talk to this NPC one time, like it's crazy. It's, yeah, many. it's very, oh my gosh, very niche. You know, little like things mm-hmm. you can do. And I have been kind of following because I mean, I've been, I've been podcasting since 2005, Sean, and I started then. So I pay attention to like what's going on in podcasting to some degree. And I have been noticing that people are mentioning that a lot of Warcraft podcasts quit mm. when all the turmoil started at Blizzard. They just stopped. Makes sense. Yeah. It's hard to talk about something that you're super passionate with if you know, the there's not going to be a great reception for it, right? Like, that's also one of the other hard parts, too, is, like, there's this idea of, like, it's all bad. So don't talk about Blizzard at all, even though there are people there trying to make their games and right. trying to, like, do the right thing. And, you know, you don't want to just ostracize every single person or every single interaction. But mm-hmm. it's tough. Like, if you are seen supporting it, then suddenly you're also labeled as a bad person or something. And it makes it hard for you to then keep creating that content around it. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, that's really rough. I can't imagine trying to put together any Blizzard game right now having pushback from people who are just angry and looking for a target, you know? I mean, I think that would be terrible because, you know, as I said before, I believe there are some really good people in Blizzard that really want it, like they're passionate about the game they're making and they want it to be good and they care about the fans and all this kind of stuff. I believe that's true, but there's a group that doesn't, you know? Right. And I've heard, like, I think there is a difference between people that are at least podcasting about the Diablo series as opposed to the people podcasting about World of Warcraft. Because I feel like a lot of people in World of Warcraft have kind of merged with their main, you know? Mm. Like, they feel that's a representation of themselves, or they've been playing for so long with that main that that's become a part of them. You know, you build a character and you do, you know, if you're doing like RP stuff about, you know, I'm really a dragon or whatever people do um, in there, you know, Um, or if you're just doing like you had a great group that, you know, is still playing together or whatever that is, you know, I think people kind of feel something emotional towards their main character at the very least, maybe some of their alts, you know? Yeah, I yeah, get that. It's a deep investment. It is. And, you know, if you're you know, fighting in a battle and your character dies, you're not just frustrated because of, okay, I didn't do well enough or that thing came out of nowhere, that's not fair, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but it's like a part of you, you know? 
And then I look at all of us in Diablo who will slay anything <laughs> throughout <laughs> the game. <laughs> you know, you lose a hardcore character, you're upset for a little while, you make a new one and go on. Right. It's different. So I think the investment in, you know, being a podcaster about Blizzard right now is harder for the World of Warcraft group than it is for us. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that way, but that is a good point. Mm-hmm. I think it is, you know, because it's just the way you kind of attach to the game. Right. Yeah. They're closer to it. They are. They really are. And some of them have been playing since they were young. Yeah. Yeah, because that game's been, you know, going on, what, 15 plus years now? More than that at this point? 18? I have lost track. (laughs) Yeah. Been around for a while. Mm -hmm. It has been. And, you know, you were mentioning, like, if you keep playing the games that somehow some group is going to say, like, well, you're part of the problem or whatever. But, you know, at the same time, like, on shows where I don't have a guest, I do talk a lot about what's been going on each week or every other week about going on at Blizzard to keep people aware of this is what we're trying to change. You know, this is what needs change. And I kind of feel like there's people who get that and say, okay, I, you know, I wanted to... I, I. I'm sad this is happening, but I, I need to know about it so we can work towards a better blizzard, you know, that kind of thing. And then there's people that look at that and they're like, well, why are you still playing the game? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's, I haven't had anybody come at me because I mean, really I'm from Chicago. I will, <laughs> I will <laughs> craft words in ways that will make you cry. You know, I'm also part Irish, which helps, but um, <laughs> I mean, you know, that kind of thing. But I think there have been other people that, you know, post like, hey, I did this cool thing in this Blizzard game and other people come and yell at them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's people in every group, right? Like they're going to mm-hmm. be the people that are deeply wanting like all or nothing. Like don't yeah. do this thing at all. There are yeah. some people that have a better, more nuanced understanding. Right. And there are some people that just don't care. Or maybe not even don't care, but just don't want it to affect like their day to day. Right. So they're aware, mm-hmm. but they're just still doing their entertainment to get their Yeah. Entertainment. And for some people like... For me, like, okay, I have uh, historically with the Diablo games used them as a way to, like, escape reality. You know, like, I've worked some terrible jobs, right? And you get home and you want to slay everything and there's your demons, you know, right there in the Diablo games. So I do that and I have a lot of days that my chronic illnesses cause a lot of pain. And one way to kind of get out of your body is to dive into a video game where you can just kind of channel all of that you know absolutely um so i mean that's what it is for me and that's why i'm gonna keep playing the diablo games you know yeah yeah be like trying to deprive yourself of a medicine just to like make a grand statement that somebody mm-hmm. is asking you to make you know and that's not fair for them to ask that of you right yeah and i think there's other people who are going into maybe more world of warcraft uh that that's their game and that's their comfort zone you know, and I feel like everybody should have a comfort zone during a pandemic. I agree. Yeah. And is. and that's that's also it kind of ties back to the whole conversation. But mm-hmm. it's also the reason why we're seeing such a great spike in gaming in general is because yeah. it's kind of like that. The same way you might read a book or watch a movie. It's another escape from reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is. I, I do. And it's different between like. You know, I see all these Diablo streamers that are like, hey, I'm streaming now and I'll retweet them on the Shattered Soulstone website if it's, you know, like, oh, they just started. Okay, cool. You know, that kind of thing. And I'll retweet everybody's like video on how to do something cool in like season 25 or something, you know, and just kind of keep that hype going because Soulstone has always been a community, a Diablo community podcast, you know. 
Right. And, um, you know, I think that's that's something. And as far as I can tell, like I've popped into people's streams every once in a while. I'm not usually real talkative, you know. But if you're playing a Diablo game and I'm like, hey, that's cool. I'll check you out for a little while. Uh, I'll just pop in and I'm seeing nothing more than, um, oh, wow, that was cool. Or, hey, how? what build are you using? Oh, it's this. you know, And just like a lot of interaction with that kind of stuff about the game. But I have heard that people who, who stream Warcraft get some negative pushback from randos. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like it's it's the same company, but it's two different worlds of gaming. No, that's, yep. Well said. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So speaking of season 25, what are you excited about? Oh, man. So it's literally tomorrow, which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy. I've been this week has been kind of weird because it's been limbo since, um, you know, between jobs and stuff. So I kind of wished that this season had started last Friday. So I have all this free time. Mm, right. Yeah. But I'm so, so excited. The beginning of a season is unlike anything else. And it's always a time where you see a lot of activity from your you know old friends, new friends, mm-hmm. people that just love kind of the reset. This one's all about the soul shards, so there's going to be a ton of power. I think the biggest thing I'm excited for is the community being able to push to the highest heights they have because every seasonal theme, we've kind of been seeing Blizzard get better at making them. Mm-hmm. And part of that is the season theme is intriguing, but also presents something that kind of is a, a draw-in for players. And I think this time around, it's mainly that you're going to be able to blast off from the beginning. Um, and they did it in a way that kind of works nicely where... You get the access to the soul shards relatively easily because if you farm any of the bosses in adventure mode, you'll automatically get them. Oh, um, and cool. some of, some of them have like a 50-50% chance. But for the most part, if you do it enough, you will get all the soul shards. But then there's the progression system for them with the Hellforge Embers where you have to farm the game a little more, put a little more investment in, and there's multiple outcomes. So you're going to want multiple versions of these uh, soul shards. So for the person that's going to play a long time and really want to min-max their characters, there's also a chase there. So I, I love when they find a way to strike that balance between a player that could jump into a season and never feel the theme if they don't play long enough. Like mm-hmm. you want that early exposure but at the same time, you want there to be something for the person that's going to play 20, 40 hours a week um, to have something, to, you know, by the time it's a month or two months in, they're still hopefully chasing after something. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Because like the season 24 with the ethereals, I kind of went into it going, I'll find them. They'll just be there. No. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so towards the very end of the season, I think I looked up something on Max Roll about like, where do I go for these? How does this work? And I finally got one and I was so excited that I was like, and I record my gameplay sometimes and put it on um, YouTube, you know. Um, and I was so excited. I was calling it an ancient. <laughs> and I didn't know until I went back and edited. I'm like, well, you know, so um, people knew what it was, though. And it was just like, I got one finally, you know, and I think I got a couple more towards the end of the season once I kind of got the idea about where to go and what to do. But it sounds like the season 25 stuff is going to be more intuitive. Yeah, yeah. Because even, you know, I was just talking about this method of acquiring them from adventure mode. But even outside of that, they'll mm-hmm. just be dropping when you're playing the game. And because there's like a two-faceted system, right? There's the soul shards and the Hellforge embers. They are able to leverage and just say, you can have as many soul shards as you want because they're not going to meet their ultimate power until you rank them up. And so you can kind of be very generous with the original thing to, like I said, get people the experience of, here's just an unranked up um, soul shard, see what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can make the other asset to that system a little rarer or harder to get. And that is, you know, kind of combining those two worlds again. So, yeah, you'll definitely get, even just by doing rifts, greater rifts, you'll get plenty of soul shards to mess around with. That's going to be fun. I just got to find the time and energy to do it, you know? <laughs> but, That's it. Yeah, That's it. you know. 
It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to this season. I always look forward to the seasons. You know? Likewise. Yeah. 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 It's going to be cool. I wonder how I wonder how this will go. Like we were talking about it very optimistically, and I have a feeling it will work well. But um, you never know. You know, people are going to come up with some weird idea, like, okay, I did this thing and it works better. You know, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And you know, one thing I think that I haven't really said out loud yet is I remember the lead up to last season, season twenty four with Ethereals, like mm -hmm. you were just talking about. It felt like it was quite more like rambunctious almost like the excitement for it I f it felt very palpable is the mm -hmm. best way to put it um because i felt like i was just seeing a lot more chatter everywhere and this time around maybe not as much and again we're in different circumstances obviously right and it's also holiday season so you know sometimes people aren't paying attention to games as much and things people like are that busy. yeah yeah mm -hmm. so it's just kind of weird because to me this feels like ethereal's 2.0 like it feels mm -hmm. like a iteration on that system but maybe at the same time like people there's something about chasing items, you know, versus chasing like consumables or collectibles or, you know, things that are smaller that go into items. Mm -hmm. So maybe there was just more, it's easier to understand what an ethereal is, right? It's because mm -hmm. it was already pulling on D2 kind of lore, if you will. Right. But also just the idea like it's a weapon that you get and it like makes you more powerful versus like, well, here's a soul shard and you have all these decisions to make and mm -hmm. they go into these slots and stuff. So maybe it's a little more... I don't know if I wouldn't call it complex, but maybe it's just a harder way to grasp your head around the coolness of it. But I hope that there will be enough people that are, you know, streaming it and showcasing it that it gets enough people coming in um, for that, like, first few weeks or month of excitement. I think that makes sense, you know, because people do kind of say, how does this work? And then they'll watch a streamer that knows what they're doing and go, oh, OK, that's how I do it. So I think that right. might bring people into like, oh, I want to go play this now. Um, probably people that already were thinking about playing it anyway, you know, but for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. That'll help hype it for sure. And like, there's going to be a whole range of how people use this. I think like, like for me to be like, I got one, what do I do? I'll put it here, you know, <laughs> and just right. kind of move on, you know? Um, but other people are going to min max it because that's yeah. fun for them. Yeah, like you just know? set it and forget it versus the, okay, it needs to be perfectly this strategy. Yeah. I don't care. You know, it's like, <laughs> I got one, here it is. All right, let's do this, you know? it's a game it's fun that's my kind of way of doing it but i think it's going to be a good season but i always think it's going to be a good season you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the way to go into it figuring you're going to love it you know keep the optimism alive absolutely oh i think i just heard your cat yep he's oh. it's his uh lunchtime <laughs> oh okay so maybe we should wind this up so you can feed him before he gets angry <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> okay. All right. So thank you so much for taking the time today to come and talk with me on Shattered Soulstone. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's always, again, like a super, super awesome pleasure and honor to, you know, sit down and chat about all things Diablo, the yeah. community at large. And, you know, it's rare that we get to the opportunity to do this because everyone's so busy and mm -hmm. collaborations are difficult to meet up on schedules. But right. thank you again. Yeah, this is good. This is good. And I don't know once you join if you're going to be allowed to be on podcast or not, but um, I'm so glad we had this opportunity now. Yeah, likewise. I'll figure out the rules for sure. And yeah, see what I just, you see. know, let me know if you want to be on and you're allowed to be. And, you know, I don't want to like cause you any problems, you know, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to close out the show and then we'll be done. 
You have been listening to episode 337 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone in Diablo 3 at least, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page as well as at the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.